0: You're listening to Sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give,
1: visit churchonbayshore.org. Thanks, Mark. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Bayshore. I tell you, it is a pleasure to worship with you guys. I've had the honor and the privilege to worship with you before. And the fact that I'm actually here now um, is a praise to God. First, uh, thank you for your kind contribution to get us started. Uh, Second, that you all, you know, that uh, your leadership team, Pastor James, has given us access to you to let you know what we're doing uh, for the Lord. And then also, knowing full well that some may actually join in this effort, I have to give God all the praise and glory. So, thank you for that. This morning, our text is going to be coming from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 17. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to kind of give you a little background on what we're going to be doing today. So today, I'm going to present the Word of God to you from that scripture. But it is also one of those scripture pieces that allows us to communicate clearly what we're about to do on behalf of the kingdom. So that being said, let's get started. Starting at verse 5. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him who they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning with the sole purpose to worship you. And Lord, we are grateful to gather here this morning to hear your word. And I pray that I will speak it clearly. But also, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit that this conversation goes on between us and you and that it continues even well beyond the time we leave this morning. So, Lord, as we begin today, uh, just have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just to kind of outline, uh, I'm sure many of the believers here already know some of the background on the book of Romans. It was a letter written by Paul to the believers in Rome, and he was doing several things in this letter, some of which was to help explain and also uh, show this new covenant, right? So in that, he is telling a lot of us, uh, even to this day, about this message of salvation, right? And that salvation can only be done through Jesus Christ because of the work on the cross. That allows us the ability to be reconciled back to God. But also in this message, we understand that reconciliation doesn't stop there with that relationship between us and God. But there's also a message within the text that there's a message of reconciliation with one another, So as we go through the text this morning, I want to make sure that we talk about the message of salvation, because that's the title of my sermon series, really, but also to help us be clear on what that means, and also at the end, how we can act uh, in obedience in that message, okay? So that being said, let's just reread the first uh, first few verses here. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to uh, bring Christ up from the dead. So, this message of salvation, some of the things that Paul is doing, just right at the start here in verse 5, is letting the, the believers in Rome know that, listen... Don't listen to some of the things that you may have heard. Like, hey, in order to get salvation, you have to go up to heaven to meet Jesus personally and grab it from him there. No, that's not done. Nor is going into the abyss uh, down there where Jesus was, but guess what, he is risen, all right? So he's not there. But you can't even go down there to seek salvation. So what Paul is really expressing here is that this salvation isn't based on our human effort. There's nothing we can do. We can't go and claim it. We can't steal it. And guess what? We don't even rate it. But what Paul's doing in all of this, and he continues throughout the uh, the text, is to deconstruct some of the the messages that people once had in this salvation story. And so um, what we're gonna do here as we continue along in this, we wanna make sure that we understand And then also understand some of our behavior in in doing this. So we're going to continue with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Once again, the word that we proclaim is the gospel message. It's plain and simple, right? But can it really be that simple? And so, as Paul points out here, yes, yes for the word is near you and in your mouth. So brothers and sisters, you got to understand, that was true then, and it is true now. Like we have to have this uh, this word like in our lives on a regular basis. Now, one of the things that uh, I used to do with our youth group back in uh, Dumfries is that I would ask basically three questions, right? I said, and, and today, it's a little bit rhetorical because it's a little larger crowd than our youth group. Uh, I would ask these three questions. And today, I want you to kind of think about these three questions as they go out. Because this word of faith is so important, the first question is who is the first person you talk to to express the gospel to in the morning? It's yourself. Understanding that gospel message and just repeating it to yourself, reminding yourself, encouraging yourself is very important. Understanding who God is, the founder of our faith, what what he has done to save us. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's even given us his word so that we can read and recall, right? Then understanding that there is sin in the world that is sometimes even complicated by our own sin. Right, And the only way through that sin is recognizing who Jesus is, our Lord, our Savior, the one who was pierced and died for us. This is the one who saved us. And then lastly, in the spiritual truths there, there's a response in every one of those. And for those who don't believe, that response is just recognizing who Jesus is and calling on him. More of that in a moment. But that is the gospel message in a nutshell that, hey, you know, you repeat that to yourself every morning. That way you're better armed and equipped to meet the challenges of the day. Then that naturally begs the question well, who's the second? Who's the second person or the second group that we repeat this gospel message to? It's to one another right? That that would reverb off of one another, that that would echo in our spaces, that when we greet each other and greet each other with a brotherly kiss, that this is the kiss that we give them, the gospel message, reminding them, encouraging them so that when we go out, we're ready, which now prepares us for the third. Who's that third one? That's right, the unbeliever's Right, because think about it. If you say it to yourself and you understand it so well that you encourage one another to bring this gospel message to others, then you can't help bringing the gospel message to those who don't know them. And it comes off in such a way that it's natural because this is who we are, right? And this isn't anything that you manufacture, and I'm not trying to be legalistic. This is me just trying to encourage you that the word of God that's in our mouth, that is near to us, It was meant to be proclaimed in all spaces. So I wanted to just kind of start off there so that when we we continue on, that this now starts to resonate more. So starting with because in verse nine. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let that sink in. Let me read that again. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, this saving ca- account is what Jesus has done. Once again, we were just up here singing and worshiping King Jesus. This is why. So this is one of the things that our message of salvation is a statement of truths of Jesus's power, of his rule, his reign, his authority and over his ability to conquer sin and death, thereby removing us from the penalty that we rightly deserve. Now, as we go through the text, there are six major points that what I would consider is like going through the processes of understanding this message of salvation. And in this message of salvation, I'm going to walk through each one of these. And the first one is how. So let's go to verse 10 and, and read on how. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And brothers and sisters, I I have to tell you, um, this is one of the biggest issues I think we face in a politically correct nation, is that the word Jesus is sometimes not well received. Uh, So, uh, just a couple of days ago, Noah and I were having coffee with somebody, Daniel, and uh, and I want to quote Daniel here. He goes, everything is fine until you preach the gospel. And I was like, man, is there any uh, intellectual property rights on that? Because I feel like lifting it. So, I stated his name just in case, okay? But the point here is, the world would tell you to be ashamed. King Jesus says, don't be. Our question is, who are you going to obey? So this is the reason why we want to make sure that we confess with our mouth and tell people because this is what we do. This is who we are. And sometimes when we do that, we have to remind people of these truths and much like Paul, deconstruct some of the things that they formerly believed. Now, this word deconstruct I've used a couple of times now, but it it really didn't make sense to me until a couple of years ago when I had the, the honor, the blessing to take a, a bunch of high schoolers to Puerto Rico to work on some of the houses down there. So June 2017, I go down there and I go down with a, what I consider a pretty well-equipped crew. One reason was because there's a guy named Brendan Jeffs. We called him Senior Jefe. Don't ask me why. And uh, it, it happens to be Mahela's brother-in-law which, you know, once again, we keep it in the family. And while we're down there, Brendan, who is a master craftsman, a guy who builds custom homes, is down there working on homes with single wall construction, right? So very, very humble. And uh, come day two, I get the chance to sit down with Brendan and ask him, it's like, Brendan, so what do you think of this this effort? And he goes, we're doing good work here, but man, had I known the type of activities, I think I would have brought different tools. I said, oh, that makes sense. And then he had this like, puzzled look on his face. He goes, but you got to understand, we're week two of a three-week project, and I've already run into some issues. And I said, oh, how so? He said, well, as we started to work on it and actually build to, to the part where we are putting on the rafters, he goes, it wasn't level. It wasn't square. Is that important? Oh, yes, it's important. I was like, oh, okay. He goes, so what we had to do was deconstruct what they had done So that way, we could build on a true flat surface, a cornerstone, if you will. I was like, okay, that'll preach. I understand where you're going with this. And he said, but you don't understand, because if you start to build on something that isn't square, isn't solid, isn't a foundation, then you run into problems when it's tested. Oh, Okay, okay, I, I see where you're going here. And that way, when you get to the roof, the pinnacle, and all the things that it's supposed to do, it does what you expect that makes sense. So I went back to my job site and I'm talking to some of the crew there, which are from Puerto Rico. And they're like, yeah, please do that because this, this place sees storms. Three months later, Hurricane Maria came through. That hurricane reached speeds of a cat five. It destroyed a majority of Puerto Rico. So as soon as we could get back in about a year and a half later, of course, you know, selfishly, I was like, I pray that the house that we were working on is still standing. I mean, how bad would that be? Uh, but thank God it was. And that's because it was square. It was built on a firm foundation. Now let's lift that example and put it back here in the gospel. And one of the reasons why Paul was deconstructing some of these old beliefs is that he wanted to make sure people were building that on a firm foundation. Something that you could handle, like something that would handle the reality and the truths of storms but also that it would re, uh, uh, address its true point and intent, which is you will have something that lasts forever, and that's our relationship with our Lord. Bottom line here was when we read, hey, don't build your house on sifting sh- sifting, shifting sands, it's true. I got a chance to see what it looks like when it isn't and it's destroyed. So we're talking about something, the gospel message that has application now as well as application for the future. So please, take our gospel message seriously, because what the world would tell you is to do what feels right, and that's incorrect. So as we get to now verses uh, 15 through 17, we see, oh, no, as you were. Uh, So we see that in order for the gospel message to actually resonate within us, we have to be disciples of Jesus, that means we know what he likes, what he dislikes, how he, how he, you know, desires us to live. And we do that through the reading of his word. And so John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17 state, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be with you. See, Jesus here is telling us point blank that if we love him, we obey him and being disciples of Jesus, right? In that discipleship of Jesus and knowing what he likes, this draws us closer to him and then we understand that's where we're supposed to live. However, the other side of the point is for those who don't know Jesus, that haven't come to that saving faith, that there is an abyss awaiting for them, but also trouble and torment now. And so the message that we proclaim isn't something for our morality or something that I would consider fire insurance that we don't go to hell. It is for a right and proper relationship with our Lord and Savior. So we have to have that social credibility in one another's lives where this message can be given and received in a loving manner. Because I got to tell you, when trying to express the gospel, if you didn't understand the bad news, how are you going to understand the good news? And one of my first experiences with this was when uh, my wife and our family were worshiping at Hope Chapel in Hawaii. Our, our flight surgeon had brought his uh, new girlfriend to service and quite frankly, I don't recall the message of the service that day, but I recall the conversation that we had afterwards. And it went along the lines of, hey, what'd you think of the service? And she was just physically upset, just like, you can't do that. And that, that threw me off a bit. I'm, I, and I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And I'm, I'm going to yeah. quote what she said. You can't do that. You can't tell someone that if you don't follow Jesus that you're going to hell. And that shook me. And I mean, it's like, there's so many things to say here. But the fact that no one has ever sat her down to express that truth tells me something. Are we expressing that truth in love, in kindness, in care, such that people understand what this is about? Our Lord loves us. He's just and righteous, which means there's a penalty. Christ has paid for our penalty. But for those who don't accept that free gift, that is their lot. And, and many of us know, and we, we have family members, uh, we have coworkers that need this, this message, and we can't sugarcoat it. But we also have to have the credibility within their lives to be able to tell them kindly, kindly, and in truth, so let's continue on. The next big um, part in this process is belief. Starting in verse 11, the text continues and says, "For the scripture says, "Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame." And once again, we've already talked about the, the shame part. We're to believe in Christ, and state it boldly, because He is the one in front of the Father on our behalf." And if we're embarrassed uh, to state his name, he, he's embarrassed to state our name in front of the Father. So we, we definitely want to make sure that we're doing and being obedient to Christ our Lord. Next is the calling. We see in verses 12 and 13, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This one act right here had to be mind-blowing because can you imagine if you're a Jew at this time listening to this message, you know, the people that were identified, called out to be the representation to the world and now you're telling me that not only is it for me but for these other people? For them, it's mind-blowing. For us, it's encouraging, right? That God is saying, hey, listen, I have chosen a people for my, for, my, for my group. But I'm also extending this to you. This message of salvation goes out and is intended for everyone. So let's, let's, let's break it out there. And um, the other point on this one is that this isn't about legalism or law, like once again, going back to some moral code. This is why we bring out the message of truth to everyone. It's for them, and it's inclusive. In verse 14, the text continues to say, how then will they call on him who they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? So this part of the text is building to that point where we want to make sure we get the gospel message from our hearts to our lips to those who haven't heard. Once again, now you can start to see some of the importance of repeating it to yourself, to other believers, so that they can hear this word, this saving word, because if not, this broken world will continue to be broken. And not all of us have the access to some of these people. We've been granted special access to some groups. So let's take that access. Continuing on, verse 14 goes on to say, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? I will tell you that there are some of us who have said, yes, Lord, we will go. And there are many of us who will lead congregations to do this one thing, to preach, to encourage, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But I don't want you to think that it is just on those who have said yes to leading congregations. We will have an opportunity to bring God's word to our family members, our littles, our mothers and fathers our cousins, aunts, uncles, our co-workers, right? How we say it, they also have an opportunity to see how we live and and seeing our words match up to the way um, what what we speak. So please understand, we who are leading congregations, we're not the only ones. We are here to encourage you to do the same message. Verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. sure, I got to tell you, just straight up, you guys have beautiful feet because I've not seen some of your shoes or anything, but I can see what you're doing. The fact that you already uh, uh, helped plant a church in Freeport, the fact that you're helping us launch up in Crestview, the fact that you guys, your words are ma- matching your actions, this is good. And please understand too that, um, yes, a group of us are being sent, but we're also very grateful for the sending um, of people that God has selected to us. So for the folks that were here in in Baker and Crestview, we're very grateful for what God has sent. And so as you think of it, uh, and Noah will bring this up a little bit later on, this is one of those prayers where you're asking the Lord, Lord, will you send me? So that should be an act of prayer for for many of us. Now, in light of these verses, we get to verses 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, it is because of this very text that we are engaging on this work that you see before us. That we believe that Uh, we are being called and sent to do this very thing here in this area, to bring the message, the message of truth. And we do so in military communities. So part of the Praetorian project is that we plant churches in military communities worldwide, and it's not by accident. Think about how God can get the glory when we are a partner with people to Take people in who are only there sometimes in some cases two months or as little as maybe even two years, training them up, disciple making, loving them, and then sending them out. And this is what it looks like when we're obedient to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, when we're going out through all the world. This is our participation on doing something naturally that Uncle Sam does, is, hey, we're going to send you. You're in to permanent change of station, PCS, move to some place. Well, why don't we take advantage of that? Why don't we send them equipped with the gospel message so that this continues? And then it continues to a point that every now and then, some old guy retires and then says, you know what, Lord, that's my lot in life. So here we are. <laughs> but in that Praetorium project, there are certain things I, I, I want to uh, show you, and I think it's on the next slide. All right, so as this builds, I'm going to tell you a quick story. This was a dream that uh, came from Pastor Clint Clifton. Several years ago, Kate and I got a chance to worship at uh, Pillar Church at Dumfries with the express intent of planting a church. And at that point in time, Pastor Clinton had said, hey, I'd like to do so and plant a uh, pillar church out of church you know, outside the front gate of every uh, Marine Corps uh, installation. So my wife and I and our two sons looked at that and I said, you know, this has to be of God because there are only 45 people in here. But as you see this slide built, this is what's going on. We're watching churches being planted in military communities worldwide because we're disciple makers who plant churches, who make disciples who plant churches. This is God's design. It's not ours. We're not in it for our brand or making our name known because there's only one name we want made known. It's the name of Jesus. That is the reason why our mission statement is to know Jesus and make him known for that purpose, to get churches out there to multiply because this is where uh, disciples are made. Churches are disciple-making factories so that we can get out the Word of God to all because we all need it. So as we continue on here, uh, I I, I wanted to now start to shift into expressing how we're going to go about doing it. So on the next slide, you'll see uh, some of the, um, I'll I'll go through a series of pictures of the ones being sent. So uh, can you go back one slide? So, ooh, all right, I'm out of order. I'll just fake it. So the ones being sent, uh, myself and my wife, um, we're the, the, you know, part of the planting team. And the other co planter is Noah and his wife, Mahala, as pictured here, all right? And Noah and I have been partnered together for several years. And when I say several years, yes, he's a young man, but he was also one of those young men that have, have accompanied me on many of those youth mission trips and such trips like Puerto Rico, And uh, I would show up at an event and I would say, hey, uh, Noah, I gotta go to a meeting, set us up. And I would come back and our room would be set up. My cop was here and Noah's here. So the fact that the Lord has allowed us to continue this is a blessing from God. All right, next slide. Uh, some of the other folks that are uh, along uh, in this um, effort of ours is we have our operations guy, uh, Matt, and his wife, Victoria. They, they are here, and I'm so grateful to the Lord because they're growing our congregation one body at a time. So Victoria's due in December, and I look at that as another praise. So that's good. And then also um, we have the Marks family. So we got Dale, uh, Patty, and Tony, and you guys have been a godsend. And uh, just a real quick uh, Uh, Background on that one. We've known the Marks for, I guess, a couple of decades now. Their children were in our youth group. So as a matter of fact, his daughter is the one who designed our logo. So when you watch what God does in this whole system, it's incredible. Uh, also, in this current picture, we have Bob Ben uh, and Bethany Geppert. They're not with us right now, but as soon as they um, uh, get a chance to, you know, take care of some family members, they'll be down, and we can't uh, wait for them to get here. Now, going on to the next slide, uh, once again, I mentioned it earlier uh, that God has blessed us with a crew down here that has received us and loved us well. We've had an opportunity to worship with the papes. They have opened our home for both Bible studies and prayer meetings. And then we also get a chance to uh, have met, you know, some of the missionaries going out. Like the Richies, they're already for it. The Naveens, um, both Drew and Mallory, they're getting ready to go out. So we're watching what God is doing, not only preparing us, but helping us prepare to help send others. Uh, Other key members, of we have Michael and Audra Rogers and also uh, Joe and Theresa Gordon, who once again, my heart is just elated, that fact that we get someone like uh, Joe and Theresa. Like the stories that they tell, and if you've never heard one, you you need to stop and ask, just flat out. All right, and now I I do wanna take a moment and tell you where we're starting. So uh, on the next slide, and I'm like looking at the clock and I know I'm running out of time. So I'll be quick. That's probably a lie. Anyway... We're going to be worshiping at Riverside Elementary School starting next Sunday, 10 September. And this will be our large corporate uh, launch or our corporate core team. But in November, over Veterans Day weekend, on November 12th, we will be doing our large opening. So the time between basically next week and November, we're going to be working through the kinks, the bugs, making sure that we're set up so we can glorify God in our worship service and have a lot of that worked out. So for those who want to start gathering with us, that's, that's kind of like the timeline in the initial set. But I, I do want to say one real quick story about this one, because anytime you start to plant a church, one of the other first questions that they, they ask you is, do you have a place to worship? Right, so uh, one morning, myself, Dale, and Ben were praying in Dale's kitchen, and we were asking for a person of peace somewhere like that would receive us well, because uh, I had sent an email to the principal at Riverside Elementary School and asked, "Hey, would you take this with the intent of allowing us to worship there?" And, and the answer was yes. Come on in. So that morning, I walk in with Miss Allison Levictor and Miss Kennedy, and um, before. Uh, I even said a word. I, I walked in and she goes, Alex, please close the door. I just want to let you know, Miss Kennedy and I are Christians. When can you start? Like, wow. Like that blew me away. I had to like collect myself. I
0: mean,
1: <clears throat> <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, it was, uh, pretty soon. You know, that kind of thing. Which once again, it is awesome when you see God working well ahead of you in advance of anything that you ever ask for. That's what we're seeing. So we're like stepping out in faith, watching what God's doing and what God will do with full anticipation. And all we're doing is asking others to consider. And now here's why. So for those who live in this area, you're well well familiar with the distance between here and Crestview. It's about 20 miles, right? And in that, it makes it kind of hard sometimes for folks to come and gather and then actually be a part of a uh, church group. And some will do it, and and we we love the fact that they do. But quite frankly, churches were meant to be done in in the local community such that you build one another up and you're in one another's lives. And so what we were focusing on are the the men and women who work here but live there, such that, hey, come to church with us, live life with us, and let us get you discipled and trained up and sent back out. And with seventh group, they're only like 10 miles away and once again, they have like 217 folks uh, that are on that base, but a majority of them live in Crestview. Now, in all honesty, the seventh, um, the seventh group, I recognize their mission statement. Uh, their mission statement is I mean, they're SF, they're special forces, right? They're not necessarily going to Iraq and Afghanistan, they're going to South America, Central America, because they're still actively engaged, right? And some of which, they go to deployment, and then they come back, and they come back to going to training, other other exercises, or other operational commitments. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have friends that are there, and some of you are you, right? But in that, it sometimes takes a toll, Um, I was at a a meeting with the uh, Protestant women of the chapel and they were speaking to a bunch of us who are uh, in the area who have churches or plant churches. And they said, hey, listen, I wanna let you know. And this one lady said that out of the 20 years that we've been married, we looked, my husband and I looked at how much he was gone, cumulative nine years. And I was like, oh, wow. Wow. And in some cases, those years away, those moments away, those weeks away, end up putting a tremendous pressure against relationships, husband and wife, husband and children, uh, blended families. These are what take the toll. I'm here to tell you that we're not here to fix that. I'm here to tell you that we're here to help partner with those by bringing them the word of God, preaching the gospel, and living it with them. Because earlier I mentioned having the the social credibility. You don't get that credibility unless you're walking beside somebody. And we're showing up to walk with them. Okay, if we'll go to the next slide. All right, uh, the here's how part. Um, The first thing I always say is what we're asking for is prayer. Noah will be up here in a moment, and we'll walk through some of the specifics, but by and large, one of the the biggest things I've asked for is prayer. And the reason being is because God does something in prayer that would be wrong of us to script it out, to plan and then pray. We always get a reverse when that happens. We need to, pray, and then from that, watch the planting. Because I can tell you, I couldn't script out getting a a place to worship, and then script out that the very place we're going to worship, my wife gets a job there, or script out of how some of our other church members or planting team are getting jobs. All I can say is, if you're going to pray, please pray for us, because we have folks that are moving miles, that are going to be homesick, that need jobs, and God answers prayer. The second is one of the things that's been on my heart for a while is that, you know, we've been looking at this area for quite some time and I've actually engaged in conversations with some of my friends. Alex, do you, do you know you're going to the Bible Belt? Yeah? Hmm. Do you know how close to the belt buckle you are in the Bible Belt? Yeah? Like, when, when we pray about this, we have to keep our hearts directed and focused because this isn't a competition, I'm not in competition with any other church. We are here to spread the gospel to those who don't know Jesus and to encourage those who do. And if we do that as a a body, much like the relationship that we already have, God is glorified, not us. So that's what we're asking for in this one. Now, I'm going to pause here on my my portion, and I'm going to call Noah up. So once again, Noah Clifton, young man who is our co-planter, and Lord willing, he's my replacement. So we'll see how that goes. Noah. Hey, guys. I'm
0: So to be here with uh, you guys, Uh, I just want to say, introduce myself. I'm Noah Clifton. Me and my wife just moved to Crestview in June, and my wife grew up in the north where it's cold, and so the weather here is not her thing. (laughs) And so we are only here because the Lord put us here and the Lord put us here to help uh, plant this church and reach the lost in this community. And so uh, I'm here, you heard Alex talk about what we're gonna do. I'm here to talk to you about how you can help, how you and your seat, your member at Church on Bayshore can help uh, plant Pillar Church of Crestview and help reach the lost in that community. Um, We're asking that you join us in our aim as we go out and plant. Uh, Now, aim is a weird word, but uh, we know our audience, we know that you guys are military, so we know you guys like acronyms. So it's an acronym. AIM stands for ambassador, investor, missionary. Ambassador, investor, missionary. And that's what we're asking you guys. We're asking that you guys prayerfully consider being one of those three, an ambassador, an investor, and a missionary. Let me give you some context of what we mean by that. Ambassador, I want you to think of Paul In the church at Rome, and the Christians in Rome. When he writes the book of Romans, he longs to be with those people, but the Lord has them somewhere else. So he prayerfully prays over them and promotes them. So we're asking you, if the Lord puts it in your heart, to be an ambassador for us. Be an ambassador, you stay at Bayshore, and you lead your life groups, and your Sunday school groups to pray for us as we go out in Crestview and reach the lost. We're also asked that you lead uh, teams down there to help us with evangelistic outreach events and stuff like that. And so that's ambassador. Investor, a little more straightforward. Uh, I want you to think of Joanna and the other women that helped fund Jesus's ministry. They financially gave to Jesus and they were able to fund his ministry that way. And so that's what I'm asking you guys to do for us, to financially support our ministry. Now, you can do that either by joining us, coming in, or staying here at Bayshore and doing that. Also, the last one is missionary. We're asking you to leave church on Bayshore. It's great. It's beautiful. There's a lot of, Pastor James is a great preacher. A lot of cool stuff here. We're asking you to leave all of that (laughs) and come to this elementary school with this old guy and this young guy who don't really know what they're doing and join us in the work in reaching the lost people in our community. So, ambassador, investor, missionary, and I want to give you some quick, just quick ways what that means. Uh, so, for the ambassador, we're asking that you um, that you lead your life groups, lead your Sunday groups to pray for us. Pray for us as, like Alex was just saying, pray for us as we go out into the community and reach the lost, and the focus on the military, and just pray for like gospel conversations and evangelistic relationships with those people and uh, and the seventh group and the other military that are in our community. Pray that we can just walk, walk alongside them as they go through life, as they go through this military uh, journey. I'm not military. I don't know what that's like, but uh, I love military and I wanna serve them. And so uh, whether you're military or not, there's a spot for you. We're also asking you to be an ambassador. Some of you are, can be ambassadors here at church, but also in the workforce where you're at church or you're at your job and you know other people who are coming into this community, especially if you work in the military, coming into this community, you can be an ambassador for us as they come in looking for a church. you would be like, hey, I know this church that focuses on military people. You should check them out. Investor, we're asking a couple different things. One, if you guys could give $200 a month And that sounds like a lot of money. And if you're like me, you're poor and don't have that. (laughs) So the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So whether that's $200 a month, $200 one time, $100 a month, $50, $5, that's all we're asking. We're asking that you just financially support us as we go out and do this work that God has called us to. Lastly, a missionary, like I said, we want you to leave Church on Bayshore to come join us at the work we're doing in Crestview. Whether that's for eight months 16 months or until the Lord calls you to something different, we will be more than happy to uh, accept, like, bring you into our little church family and help and walk alongside you and serve alongside you as we reach the lost community in Crestview and also reach out to the military as they have a unique need in their life. So I'm going to take, we're going to close in prayer in a second. But before we do that, I want to just give us a time to silence our hearts bow our heads, and whether you wanna pray with your spouse and your family or just you in your own heart, I want you to prayerfully consider how the Lord is using and calling you to the work at Pillar Church of Crestview, whether that's as an ambassador, an investor, or a missionary. So if you bow your heads, close your eyes, we are gonna have a couple minutes of silence. I want you to prayerfully consider how the Lord is calling you to this work. And then I'll close with some prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you and we are uh, blessed beyond our comprehension of what you're doing in this community, Lord. Whether it's down here in Niceville or up in Crestview, Lord, you are working to reach your lost children. I think of Paul's words to the church of uh, Philippi where he calls them partners in the gospel. But I thank you for our partners in the gospel here at Church on Bayshore. Thank you for their support and their prayers, Lord. And I ask for the people in this room today as they prayerfully consider how you are calling them to this work, Lord, whether that's as an ambassador, an investor, or a missionary, Lord. I pray that you give them extreme clarity and wisdom and boldness and obedience as they prayerfully consider one of those options. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that as we go out into our communities and our families and the rest of our week, that we can remember the message of salvation that you've given to us as a free gift. Just think about Alex's uh, tool he gave to us this morning of preaching the gospel to ourselves then to other brothers and sisters and then to the lost. Lord, I pray that you just change our hearts. Lord, our hearts are prone to wander, to forget the God we love. Lord, I ask that you just remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, help us to be bold and obedient children. We love you, Lord, and we are thankful for your death and resurrection on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen.